Father, thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for this word to us. And we ask, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, that you would help us to see uh, more of you, to learn more about you, learn more about uh, our role in the world. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, I'm going to read uh, these two chapters, and I'll read them fairly quickly, and then we'll pull out a couple of thoughts from them. Uh, so, do read along with me, and try to concentrate. Alright, the Lord, uh, actually, here, I'll tell you a couple of bits of structure that will help you where we're going, so that you don't have to look for it after. So, look in verse 1 there, see how it says, The Lord said to Moses, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, and he's, um, the first section down to uh, verse 15 is a word um, to the priests, that's the first chunk, he's got some stuff to say about the priests, about um, how they relate to dead, um, to death, and, and how they uh, priests in relation to marriage. That's that first section. Then you see in verse 16 it says, The Lord said to Moses. So that's the next block. Uh, and there he starts to talk about the type of um, the, the physical body of the priest. Uh, and then uh, beginning in chapter 22 verse 1 down to verse 16 that block there is going to be about how the priests are to uh, their relationship to the food, the, the offerings that get offered, and whether or not they're eligible to eat them. And then verse 17 through to uh, 30 in chapter 22 is about the sacrifices that the um, Israelites are supposed to bring, the quality of the sacrifices. And then uh, it summarises the section in verse 31 uh, to 33 of chapter 22. So that's, the, that's the structure, that's a little forecast of what we'll see. That might help us as we read it to clock on and remember what's there. Alright, let's read it together. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, a priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die, except for a close relative, such as his mother or father, his son or daughter, his brother, or an unmarried sister who is dependent on him, since she has no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. He must not make himself unclean for people related to him by marriage, and so defile himself. Priests must not shave their heads or shave off the edges of their beards or cut their bodies. They must be holy to their God and must not profane the name of their God because they present the food offerings to the Lord, the food of their God. They are to be holy. They must not marry women defiled by prostitution or divorced from their husbands because priests are holy to their God. Regard them as holy because they offer up the food of your God. Consider them holy, because I, the Lord, am holy, I who make you holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, she disgraces her father, she must be burned in the fire. The high priest 
the one among his brothers who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments must not let his hair become unkempt or tear his clothes. He must not enter a place where there is a dead body. He must not make himself unclean even for his father or mother, nor leave the sanctuary of his God or desecrate it because he has been dedicated by the anointing oil of his God, I am the Lord. The woman he marries must be a virgin. He must not marry a widow, a divorced woman, or a woman defiled by prostitution, but only a virgin from his own people, so that he will not defile his offspring among his people. I am the Lord who makes him holy. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, this is the second section, Say to Aaron, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. By descendants, uh, that means a Levite. So, therefore, somebody who would be eligible for the priesthood. Uh, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. By come near it means draw near with the sacrifices. No man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed, no man with a crippled foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who, has, or who has any eye defect, or who has festering or running sores or damaged testicles. No descendant of Aaron the priest who has any defect is to come near to present the food offerings to the Lord. He has a defect. He must not come near to offer the food of his God. He may eat the most holy food of his God, as well as the holy food, yet because of his defect he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So Moses told this to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. Third section is The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to treat with respect the sacred offerings or the holy offerings the Israelites consecrate to me or the holy things so that they will not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, For the generations to come, if any of your descendants is ceremonially unclean and yet comes near the sacred offerings that the Israelites consecrate to the Lord, that person must be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. If a descendant of Aaron has a defiling skin disease or a bodily discharge, he may not eat the sacred offerings until he is cleansed. He will also be unclean if he touches something defiled by a corpse or by anyone who has an omission of semen or if he touches any crawling thing that makes him unclean or any person who makes him unclean, whatever the uncleanness may be. The one who touches any such thing will be unclean till evening. He must not eat any of the sacred offerings until he has bathed himself with water. When the sun goes down he will be clean and after that he may eat the sacred offerings for they are his food. He must not eat anything found dead or torn by wild animals and so become unclean through it. I am the Lord. The priests are to perform my service in such a way that they do not become guilty and die for treating it with contempt. I am the Lord who makes them holy. No one outside a priest's family may eat the sacred offering nor may the guest of a priest or his hired worker eat it but if a priest buys a slave with money or if slaves are born in his household they may eat his food. If a priest's daughter marries anyone other than a priest, she may not eat any of the sacred contributions. 
But if a priest's daughter becomes a widow or is divorced, yet has no children, and she returns to live in her father's household, as in her youth, she may eat her father's food. No unauthorised person, however, may eat it. Anyone who eats a sacred offering by mistake must make restitution to the priest for the offering and add a fifth of the value to it. The priests must not desecrate the sacred offerings the Israelites present to the Lord by allowing them to eat the sacred offerings and so bring upon them guilt requiring payment. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So that was all about eating the the portion of the sacrifices um, that people were allowed to eat. Now, uh, next section. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, If any of you, whether an Israelite or a foreigner residing in Israel, presents a gift for a burnt offering to the Lord, either to fulfil a vow or as a free will offering, you must present a male without defect, from the cattle, sheep or goats, in order that it may be accepted on your behalf. Do not bring anything with a defect, because it will not be accepted on your behalf. When anyone brings from the herd or flock a fellowship offering to the Lord to fulfil a special vow or as a free will offering, it must be without defect or blemish to be acceptable. Do not offer to the Lord the blind, the injured or the maimed, or anything with warts or festering or running sores. Do not place any of these on the altar as a food offering presented to the Lord. You may, however, present as a free will offering an ox or a sheep that is deformed or stunted, but it will not be, uh, be accepted in fulfilment of a vow. You must not offer to the Lord an animal whose testicles are bruised, crushed, torn or cut. You must not do this in your own land, and you must not accept such animals from the hand of a foreigner and offer them as the food of your God. They will not be accepted on your behalf, because they are deformed and have defects. The Lord said to Moses, When a calf, a lamb or a goat is born, it is to remain with its mother for seven days. From the eighth day on it will be acceptable as a food offering presented to the Lord. Do not slaughter a cow or a sheep and its young on the same day. When you sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It must be eaten that same day, leave none of it till morning. I am the Lord. Summary. Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name, for I must be acknowledged as holy among the Israelites. I know I said among, and your version doesn't say that, but that's okay. I am the Lord who made you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Right. So, here's two other Bibles. I've got more Bibles. Uh, Different translations. And now here is uh, vindication for you. Uh, What was it? Verse 32. Uh, chapter 22, right? This is what this this is the Christian standard version. You must not profane my holy name. I must be treated as holy among the Israelites. Right, that's the CSB. This is the NLT. Do not bring shame on my holy name, for I will display my holiness among the people of Israel. There we go. That's two. And I thought the ESV might be overkill. So I didn't do that. Now, 
hopefully that matters. <laughs> now, the reason why I just um, said that, did that, was because, that last little bit, was because um, in the NIV that you have, you see how it says, do not profane my holy name, for I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. Right? The fo- in my mind, that means the focus is a bit more on, um, it's a message, it's, uh, the words are directed more to the Israelites themselves, and it's for them to be, uh, the Lord saying to them, uh, I need to be acknowledged by all you Israelites as being holy. Whereas I think what's happening in this section, um, and partly because of the way that Leviticus is working so far, uh, Leviticus is kind of, um, when you look at it structurally, it's broken up into little chunks. So there's a section about offerings, then a section about priests, then a section about clean and unclean things, etc. Um, and we've come back to a little section about priests here. So in the verses just before us, we didn't have that. Um, and in the verses following, priests don't come back into the picture again. Uh, there's a little section here on priests. And I think what's happening with the priests is they are supposed to be, their little lives are like a little drama playing out that's communicating a message. And so the reason I've translated it as, uh, sorry, I've, I've um, taken that translation, uh, the bare decision, is because I think that this um, final bit um, this final summary is directed more towards the priests um, and it's about what it's saying then is it's saying I must be uh, treated as holy among the Israelites so the picture is among all the Israelites there's a special focus here on the priests because the, these instructions are given to the priests you see that's what it says in chapter 21 verse 1 speak to the priests and then in chapter 22 verse 1 the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron and his sons that's the priests uh, and that's, that's still um, in verse 18 his sons are still in frame and the messages as it were when you follow the, um, the messages in the um, that little phrase and the Lord said to Moses speak to dot 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 uh, it doesn't always say Aaron and his sons it says various things it might say say to the sons of Israel or which is the state of the Israelites, basically. Um, but here you've got to focus on the priests. The point there, their little lives are like a little drama in the midst of the nation of Israel. And they are this little um, group of people that have got a different standard of holiness. Um, we know from other parts of the Bible that um, God's intention was that the, all of the Israelites uh, would become a kingdom of priests. So that's where he was going. Um, but at this point, he's got special rules for the priests. Now, how does this work? I'll hopefully help us to see a little bit of that in the next few minutes. Um, so I think the, uh, the main, the, the, the major theme that holds these chapters together 
is uh, the idea of holiness. You probably spotted it in the repetition of the word, um, especially in the first chapter, and uh, you see it um, probably most clearly by the fact that the way that the Lord refers to himself in this section um, is he's, he refers to himself as the Lord who makes you holy. And he doesn't refer to himself in that, in that way all the time. He says at other points, I am the Lord, your God. That's one way. He might be telling them a whole bunch of instructions and then he'll say, I am the Lord, your God. The reason why? Because I am the Lord, your God. Whereas here, holiness is the way that he defines himself. And so let's see that in a couple of points. Look in verse uh, 6. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Not verse 6. Sorry, it's verse 8. Look what he says there. Uh, Regard them as holy because they offer up the food of your God. Consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I who make you holy. And then in verse 15. So that he will not defile his offspring among his people. I am the Lord who makes him holy. Uh, and then in chapter 22, verse 9, the priests ask to perform my service in such a way that they do not become guilty and die for treating with contempt. I am the Lord who makes them holy. That's how he, that's how he defines himself in this section. Um, and that's, that's what we had in that last little verse there, that summary verse in 32. Uh, I am the Lord who made you holy. And that is uh, unique to this little section of Leviticus. Holiness being the issue. Now for us, and how this contributes uh, you know, to us as saints, and to be honest, there is real um, ap- apologetic value to this, um, and you know, it's one of the main reasons why um, people who are not Christians have large objections to Christianity, is because we don't have the right view of God um, in his holiness. And so... Um, it's my uh, contention that much of our thinking about God, uh, much of our view of salvation, uh, our, our joy in being saved, uh, the privilege of being made God's people, our attitude towards sin, uh, our attitude towards some of the uh, things that we read about in the Bible, uh, some of the ethics, some of God's decisions, um, uh, throughout the Old Testament um, would all be transformed if we had a proper view of God's holiness um, as a starting point. And this is one of the sections where uh, in, in the Bible where we get to see God um, being really serious about his holiness. Now, how does it work It works like this. What I'll try to do is I'll try to we'll we'll look at it in three movements, and it starts like this. There's first, you know, what is this drama? That's how you know I'm thinking about the priests. They've got this little drama that they live out amongst the Israelites. What is the drama? What is that drama meant to be communicating? And then what does that mean for us? So we'll try to move in that direction quite quickly. Uh, the first one is. Um, the priests themselves. So, you might have had a few questions there about that first section from verses 1 through to uh, 15. 
And essentially what you have is you have the Lord saying to the Israelites, uh, saying to the priests there, he's got two groups. He's got the regular priests at first, and then he's got the high priest second. And he says to them both, he says the same thing effectively to both of them, with a higher standard for the high priest. Uh, but he speaks to them about two areas. The first area is the area of death, how they are to relate to death. And the second is um, who, they are, who they are to marry. And the idea in both cases is that they're not allowed to make themselves unclean for the dead. And what that would have meant would have been uh, you sit there, make your hair unkempt, uh, or leave the um, uh, leave the sanctuary, leave the place where the worship was uh, happening, and presumably other things in here, shave their beards, cut their bodies, um, etc. So they weren't allowed to do that, not for death. The regular priests were allowed to do it if it was close family members, but the high priest especially holy, he wasn't allowed to do it even for a mother or father. He was wholly devoted to the Lord. And in a way, I think this communicates that the Lord was, was superior even to this reality of death. There was almost like an, an overcomingness about being consecrated to the Lord that was superior even to death and even to death of close family. So I think there the holiness communicates this thing is so precious it can't even be you, you can't um, don't taint it even for these two like really serious major um, life circumstances and so I suppose the seriousness of it might be you know when you've got an event or you have to uh, you have to be somewhere and you kind of we have this thing where certain things we say, ah, for that, you, you can break your commitment, as it were. You know? So, like, you're su- I'm supposed to be here preaching the sermon, and so there's a kind of level in what I'm doing right now of importance, and only certain things that have reached a certain level of importance trump it such that I can break it. I can't say, you know, um, oh, I spilt some milk on the floor and I've decided to stay home. You know, it's a bit like, well, it's milk on the floor. But, you know, if my wife goes into labour, I'm allowed, you know, then that's a different kind of thing. Ah, that seriousness has broken it. So, what's happening there is, you see, it's the same thing with the high priest. He's not even allowed to leave the sanctuary even for uh, his mother or his father dying. So that might help us as we think about what kind of holiness would be necessary for the Lord that that even that couldn't break this. That doesn't. That's not enough of a serious event for him to to, for him to defile the Lord's sanctuary. That's, that's the idea here, right? So, some of the rationale, I mean, what's the deal with um, the two issues, so death and marriage, and why, you might ask, is it the case that um, uh, he's not allowed to marry somebody 
who is, you see here in verse 14, the high priest, let's just do the high priest, he's not allowed to marry a widow, a divorced woman, or a woman defiled by prostitution. You see that? And you might think to yourself, what's that all about? You know, why can't he do that? Um, and why can't he, why, why also is death this thing that he's not really allowed to go close to at all? Um, and I think the answer is found um, by connecting it to the third um, thing that restricts uh, the priest, and that's in the, in the second section, from verse 16 to, to 24, and that is that the priest must be a complete person. Did you spot that? So you see, if he's got any deformity to the priest, he's not allowed to function in that role. And again, you know, uh, we might think to ourselves, you know, he didn't really have a choice in that, so how come he's been, you know, disqualified for the purpose? And the answer is, for both of these, I think, is in the purpose of the drama. What is he supposed to be communicating in his role? And I think these three things come together uh, because they point back to uh, Eden. So, in Eden, uh, the picture, the idea is, the picture of marriage, it's, it's in a way, it's painting an ideal picture. It's almost unrealistic in the sense, in how ideal it is, and in that sense, it's supposed to remind them of Eden. He is in the sanctuary, and from previous weeks we've spoken about how the sanctuary is like a new creation, with Eden as the Holy of Holies, and this high priest, in his role serving in this new sanctuary, um, he can't go near death, and that's, that was out of Eden, right? Uh, death and unclean things, out of Eden. Um, he can't, um, he's supposed to have a marriage that is this kind of ideal, perfect, pure marriage, which is Eden, uh, and he um, and he's not allowed to have a deformed body. It's, it's the, as though he's got to be this perfect picture of a man with a wife, uh, with not, um, un, unstained by death, who stays in this holy space. Can you see that? And so in a way, the drama, I think, is the drama of, um, of Eden. So it points back to Eden, and it's a perpetual drama that exists in the midst of Israel that communicates this idea of perfect holiness, perfect, is completely untainted, uh, it can be untouched by nothing, and it's got a kind of preciousness about it that not even the death of a family member can, can break it. Not allowed to be broken by that. And that is the drama, and, and, and it points backwards to communicate Eden, but it also points forwards to communicate new creation. And that's what that drama in the centre of Israel is supposed to be communicating. And you can look in um, Revelation 21, uh, in verse... In Revelation 21, at the end, nothing unclean. It's verse 27. He's talking about the city, and it says, nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. The city itself is going to be perfectly holy and perfectly pure. 
and that is the space that this is looking forward to. Um, and so, yeah, that's the priests uh, and the drama in the centre. And then we see, with respect to um, chapter 22, the, uh, the movement then is towards how the Israelite priests are to be in relation to the food. And I think the food there is communicating... Um, uh, it communicates relationship. Um, a meal is often um, a, uh, an indication of fellowship with somebody. It's eating over the table. It's the Lord's food and you're eating with the Lord. Um, and again here, that communicates that movement of you're in the Lord's space and you're dining with him. And you can't enter into that dining zone while you're unclean. And so the priests, again, in the, in the drama of their lives, are communicating that. Um, and the third move, that's, that's what number 20, chapter 22, the first half is about. Um, and the second half about unaccept, unacceptable sacrifices. Uh, did you notice that the sacrifices, the way that they were described, echoed um, the requirements for the priests? Uh, particularly in their, uh, the, the language described uh, using to describe how they're meant to be whole, perfect animals. They are supposed to be, um, verse 22, do not offer to the Lord the blind, the injured, or the maimed. You see that? And if you look back at verse 21, verse 18, no one who has any defect may come near, no man who is blind or lame or disfigured. Right? And then also, and then both of those sections close with... Um, uh, the fact that he's, um, there's, there's running, store, running and festering stores or damaged testicles in, one, uh, in 21 verse 20 and in, and, uh, and, and in 22 verse um, 24 that's where um, uh, that comes towards the end of the description of the animals they, the, 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 link, the, the link between the testicles um, <laughs> that's funny um, anyway the point here is you know um, there's enough correspondence there between the two <laughs> showing my age I'm still too young um, there's enough correspondence between the two that you're supposed to see the point here is that the, the sacrifices um, are supposed to mirror the priests and servants and, and, the, and the links there are made so that you're able to see the stronger bond between the blamelessness of the priests and the blamelessness of the sacrifices uh, and, that, and um, uh, this I think communicates value um, the, the sacrifices, the value of the sacrifices and also the fact that everything about this whole um, ceremony is supposed to be blameless and pure, and perhaps pointing back to the garden again, an unspoiled creation. So, that I think is what's happening in these verses. That's what I think the drama's about, pointing backwards and pointing forwards. But for us as believers, um, just as we come into land, um, as we think now about the whole Bible story, here we are in the, in the Israelite space and the Lord is trying to teach the Israelites something about himself 
uh, and something about their role, or at least their future role when they become a kingdom of priests. And he's doing that by focusing on the Levitical priests and their lives in the midst of the Israelite camp. As the story moves forward into the New Testament, Christians become a royal priesthood. And we are called to holiness. And in a way, 1 Peter is is the book that you can kind of... So flick over to 1 Peter and you'll see a couple of connections here where it's almost as though you can see Peter has recalibrated this story for the believers. And we now, as it were, are a... uh, We're a kingdom of priests and our role is living in the world... Uh, holiness now is not about, um, uh, it's not this external ritual, ritual holiness that's marked, uh, marked the, um, the, the Levites, but it is a, an internal and a moral uh, holiness uh, that marks our lives uh, and is marked by good works that communicates the holiness of God and does the same and has that same yeah, communicative function among the world. That's the movement, I think. And let's just look at a couple of verses where we see some of this, and then we'll tie it up. So, one fourteen, uh, verse uh, fourteen to sixteen says, "As obedient children, do not conform to the to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That's that moral holiness. But just as he who called you is holy." So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. You see? I will be treated as holy among the Israelites, priests, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you Christians amongst the world, Uh, be holy because I am holy. And 1 Peter, let's have a look at a couple more verses, chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. So he says here, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. So that's all the believers amongst the nations. And now chapter 3 verse 1 Uh, the same theme in 1 Peter but applied to wives wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives so what I'm trying to do there is just really quickly pick up on a theme in 1 Peter where, where Peter connects us as believers to being... Oh, sorry, I, di- I didn't uh, spot the priest's one. That's in verse 9. Uh, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? God's special possession that you may declare the praises or declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. He takes, he takes this theme of priests, applies it to believers, and then 1 Peter, a large theme of 1 Peter, is about us um, living in such a way living good lives, living holy lives, so that 
uh, the people around us can see uh, what Christ is like and see what God is like and so uh, result in praising God. And and I think that that's a connection, uh, that's another connection seen in Titus where, you know, the Titus they're supposed to adorn the gospel by their good works. Um, and the point there is um, to make the connection between the priests in Israel and us as believers. Um, and so the kind of uh, message might be something like God is holy and, and he wants to be seen and treated as holy. Priests, by their lives, communicate this idea and therefore we now, as believers, let's do the same. Let's treat God as holy so that others might see uh, the Lord as holy. That, I think, is what's going on in Leviticus 21 and 22. And hopefully, we'll help you with